Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, January 20th. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says of himself, I am the Alpha and the Tav, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse. Truly, Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalit Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Ba'era, and it means, And I Appeared. Exodus 8, 19-9, 16 Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he hearkened not to them, as the Lord had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he comes forth to the water, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon you, and upon your servants, and upon your people, and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are walking. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end you may know that I am Yahweh in the midst of the earth. 
and I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarms of flies. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians, that is the sheep, to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he commanded us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away, entreat from me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. They did not remain. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go, and will hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon your cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the donkeys, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel's. And the Lord appointed it at a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven, and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses 
because of the boils, for the boil was upon the magicians and upon all Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not to them, as the Lord had spoken to Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon your heart, and upon your servants, and upon your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand, that I may smite you and your people with pestilence, and you shall be cut off from the earth. And in the very deed for this cause have I raised you up to show in you my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Matthew thirteen, twenty-four to 46 Here is another story Yeshua told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Here is another illustration Yeshua used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Yeshua also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Yeshua always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Then, leaving the crowds outside, Yeshua went into the house. His disciples said, Please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Yeshua replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. 
and the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Psalm 18, 1-15 I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me, Death laid a trap in my path, but in my distress I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to the God, to my God, for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountains shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dark rain clouds. Thick clouds shielded the brightness around him and rained down hail and burning coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded amid the hail and burning coals. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. Great bolts of lightning flashed, and they were confused. Then at your command, O Lord, at the blast of your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. Proverbs 4, 1-6 My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. For I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions, for I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. I want to speak to you today from our reading from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 8 and part of chapter 9. And we're looking at the judgments that God brought upon Egypt. And I want to draw some parallels to those judgments upon Egypt and the judgments that roll out in the book of Revelation in the end of days. So let's jump into Exodus chapter 8 
and I want to look at verse 22. This is the Lord speaking to Moses, and this is in the midst of the swarms of flies, that particular judgment. And the Lord said in verse 22, And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end you may know that I am Yahweh in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And so what God is doing is, up until now, all of the judgments that have occurred have happened to both the Egyptians and the Hebrews. They have suffered the plague of lice. They have suffered the plague of frogs. They have suffered the waters turning to blood. The first three plagues everyone suffered under. But now as we come into the fourth one, God is saying, I'm going to set apart my people in the land of Goshen, and they will not suffer this plague that's coming. It'll only be upon the Egyptians. So when Moses goes to Pharaoh, Pharaoh offers a compromise, and he says, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far. And please entreat for me now. And Moses said, I will go out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. So here's the pattern. The first three plagues all suffered under, and then as we go into the fourth plague, God is protecting his own people, and only the Egyptians would suffer from that point forward. So I just wonder if this is also a principle that will hold true when the judgments of Revelation roll out. Let's take a look and see. I want to take us into Revelation chapter 6. And in chapter 6, we see the first four or the first five seals the first five judgments, and they are seals um, unwinding, rolling out, being implemented. The first seal is the white horse that is wearing a crown and carries a bow. And many people, teachers, prophets, have suggested that this first white horse was the coronavirus that went throughout the earth, conquering nations. It had a bow and no arrow. And when you look at that word bow in the Greek, the word bow in Greek is toxin. So where's the arrow? Well, the arrow is the jab. The jab uh, injects poison into your body, mRNA that changes your DNA, causing your cells to produce spike protein, which makes you sick. Okay, so that's the first seal, the white horse. The second seal is the red horse, the horse of war. We have war on the earth right now that is threatening to become global. Right now it's between Russia and Ukraine, but actually it's Russia engaging with NATO. It's Russia engaging with the West because the United States of America and NATO is supplying and equipping Ukraine to fight against this superpower nation. So we have the red horse. Then we have next the black horse. The black horse, a day's wages for a loaf of bread. Um, It's basically global economic collapse. 
and how far away are we from that? We're, we're rapidly running down that road. Um, pretty soon, the paper fiat money is going to collapse. It's a Ponzi scheme. And they will replace it with CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, that's absolutely controlled by the central bank. They can retire your money, disappear your money, program your money. That you're only allowed to spend X amount of dollars each month for beef or chicken. Um, or cut you off, say you've already spent your allotment for gasoline for this month. Or just completely shut down your account. Scary stuff. Black horse. And then finally we have the pale horse. The pale horse, that's the fourth seal. <clears throat> Brings forth pestilence and death and all kinds of bad things. And then the fifth seal is the martyrs crying out, How long, O Lord? Will you, when will you avenge our blood? And then the sixth seal, There was a great earthquake, the sun became black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood. And then finally, as we get into chapter 7, we see the 144,000 be sealed with the mark of God. Now, I believe that these six seals outlined for us in chapter 6 are before the Great Tribulation or the Greater Exodus. They are a prelude. They are like the opening act, but they're not actually the Greater Exodus or the Great Tribulation. It hasn't started yet. They're a prelude. But when we get into chapter 7 with the 144,000 who are sealed, that, I believe, begins the greater exodus. Now, why is that? Because the 144,000, there's a purpose for why they are sealed and when they are sealed. They are sealed, why? Because they are going to be dispersed throughout all of the earth, and they will be in every single camp of the righteous. There will be at least one person who's been sealed with that special marking or sealing from the Lord. And they will be the leaders and the protectors of each camp throughout all the world. And so this happens at the time that the mark of the beast rolls out. Because once that mark of the beast rolls out and you cannot buy or sell without it, then it's time to go. It's time to flee, get out of the big city. It's time to gather with the Mishpokah. It's time to get out into the wilderness and follow the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. So, once we get into the trumpet judgments, which begins in chapter 8, that, I believe, is the beginning that we're in the greater exodus period. We're in the period known as Jacob's trouble or the three and a half year great tribulation period. So, that's another misunderstanding. The tribulation period is three and a half years, 42 months, 1260 days. It is not seven years. It is three and a half years. Okay, so yes, I believe there is a distinction then that happens once we get through these preliminary, the first six seals that are mentioned in Revelation chapter 6, and we get into chapter 7 with the sealing of the 144,000. At that point, that's where God is going to make a distinction between his people, 
and the rest of the world, and his people will be in those camps of the righteous, and they will be supernaturally protected. So in the same way that that happened in Exodus with the people who lived in Goshen, the Hebrews were protected from those plagues. After they got through the first three plagues, once they got into the fourth plague, they were protected. That principle is at work here in Revelation, that once we get to the place where the 144,000 are sealed with the mark of God, and we are in our camps of the righteous out in the wilderness and out of the big cities, that's where we are under God's special supernatural protection. And he makes a distinction between those who are his and those who are not his. So I do believe that this principle does apply uh, in the end days. And there's a lot of similarities between what happened in Egypt and what's going to happen in Revelation. We saw a plague of darkness, or we're going to see a plague of darkness that's coming up in the next couple of days, and that will also happen in the book of Revelation. There's going to be a huge asteroid that hits the earth that's going to kick up so much dust into the atmosphere that there's a period of darkness for a very long time. And so each of these plagues back then was a judgment against one of the gods of Egypt that they worshipped. And these plagues and judgments in the book of Revelation, this is, why does God bring these judgments? His purpose in bringing the judgments is he wants to see people repent. That's always the purpose, is when there is a judgment, a correction, God's heart and his purpose, he, he doesn't want to see any perish. He wants to see all come to the knowledge of God. So the purpose of the judgments is to bring individuals, people, to repentance. But we see another phrase that's repeated over and over and over again throughout Revelation, and still they would not repent. And still they would not repent. And still they would not repent. And the mark of the beast is really the final dividing line. Once we get to that point, and you have to take this chip, and that's the only way that you can get your digital ID to go on the internet. It's the only way you can travel internationally. It's the only way you can buy groceries or buy gas or pay your bills. That will be the last free will decision that that person who takes the mark will make. Once they take the mark, that chip, I believe they will lose their free will. They will no longer have free will. And they're part of the collective Borg, if you will, the AI entity. They're going to be part of that beehive, and they won't have a free will anymore. So this is why nobody repents. They don't have a free will anymore to choose. So it's very, very important. The closer we get to this end time scenario, to the mark of the beast, 
very important that we be sharing the good news and the gospel with all that we can in the highways, in the byways, at the grocery store, at the post office, throughout your day as you're out and about. Um, Share the good news. Plant a seed. Invite people to come to know the Messiah, Yeshua. Because time is short. And we want to reach people, as many people as possible, before it's too late. All right, have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.